This podcast is brought to you by Amy Jen Su, the author of a new book entitled The Leader You Want to Be, Five Essential Principles for Bringing Out Your Best Self Every Day. Please listen to podcast number 755, where Greg and Amy discuss the principles of purpose, process, people, presence, and peace. These qualities help make great leaders become even better. Learn more about the importance of using these principles in your role as a leader and how you can become more centered, grounded, and focused as a leader in this business world where more is always expected. I hope you enjoy this great interview with author Amy Jen Su about her new book, The Leader You Want to Be. For more information about Amy and her new book, please visit www.paraviz, spelt P-A-R-A-V-I-S, partners.com, backslash, our dash latest dash book. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Wayne, as I do all the time, and you've heard this from listening to my podcast, there is no point in doing a podcast unless you've got listeners. So to all my listeners out there, a big howdy. Thank you. Thank you for listening and listening to the words of wisdoms from our authors. And today joining me, uh, where are you joining me from, Wayne Baker? Uh, Hello, Greg. I am joining you from Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ann Arbor, Michigan. Okay. So uh, Wayne Baker has a new book out called All You Have to Do is Ask, How to Master the Most Important Skills for Success. And obviously, many of us know that it is all about asking. And we're going to get into not only the psychology behind that, um, but some of the things that prevent people from asking, um, which uh, Wayne is virtually the master at that. And I'm going to tell our listeners a bit about you, Wayne. Wayne Baker is Robert P. Thorne Professor of Business Administration and Professor of Management Organization at the University of Michigan Ross School of Business. He is a faculty director of the Center for Positive Organizations and the faculty co-director for Leading with Impact, a partnership between General Motors and Executive Education. His research, teaching, speaking, and consulting focus on social capital, social networks, generosity, positive organizational scholarship, and values. He's published numerous scholarly articles and six books. His leadership and management articles appear in the Harvard Business Review, Chief Executive Magazine, IMIT Sloan Management Review, and elsewhere. He is the co-founder, strategic advisor, and board member of Give and Take Inc., developers of the Gavitas Collaborative Technology Platform based on their principles, and all you have to do is ask. And prior to joining the University of Michigan faculty, He was on the faculty of the University of Chicago Business School, earned a PhD in sociology from Northwestern University as a postdoctorate research fellow at Harvard, and he resides with his wife and son, and Berman the Cat, and Ann Arbor, Michigan. And you can reach him in two different ways. The first way is you can go to the book's website. All you have to do is ask.com, great website. And I'm encouraged listeners to go to the the website and pre-order the book. Also, there's an assessment there as well, and it'd be great for you to look at that and take your assessment, or you can visit waynebaker, B-A-K-E-R dot O-R-G. Well, thank you for that, and thank you for being on the show and taking some of your 
valuable time to impart some wisdom upon our listeners. And, you know, Wayne, you start off your book about a girl named Jessica uh, who was overwhelmed but reluctant to ask for help. And the reality is your book is really about, you know, not only the psychology behind asking for help, but why we should ask for help. Why are people so reluctant to ask for help when they need it the most? Well, Jessica is a very interesting person. I know her quite well, and she's very generous, very willing to help others. Um, but she was always reluctant to ask for what she needed. And the story that you refer to that I begin the book with is about uh, her in that, in that particular situation uh, where she was helping someone taking on some tasks for a new employee, and it became so overwhelming, she didn't know what to do. She was running out of time. She didn't even have time to spend with her family or friends. And she ultimately quit. And looking back, she realized that the problem wasn't her manager, her employer, or even her generosity. The problem was that she never asked for help. She never reached out and asked for help herself. And I've seen that as a very, very uh, common problem. Um, so we want to be generous. We want to live in a culture of givers. Um, and that's really important. And I, I want to stress that right at the outset. But the other side of it is giving ourselves permission to ask. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why we don't. One, for example, is that we don't ask uh, because we think no one can help us. In fact, there's been some very interesting studies done by Frank Flynn from Stanford and his team where they have determined that, in fact, even strangers are very willing to help you if you ask but we routinely underestimate other people's willingness and ability to ask. So that's a barrier. So yeah. people should know that most people are willing to help. Well, you mentioned that asking for help stands in the way of our success. And I, I'm not certain that most people out there correlate that because they look at asking for help as being weak. How would you assist the listening audience here in seeing and that asking for help um, really does not make them weak and can help them succeed. Well, you know that here's what I found is that people, when they don't ask for what they need, don't get help from other people. And it's not a matter of weakness, although that is a very common barrier. People concern, are concerned that they would appear to be incompetent or weak if they ask for something. But, you know, the research shows that the opposite is true. And I think we need to update our beliefs based on that evidence. As long as, we, as long as we make a thoughtful request, people are uh, more likely to think we're competent rather than less. How we think about it is that there are different styles of work. We could think about work as an individual task where we just put our heads down and grind it out. But you know, many times if we ask for help, we ask for advice, we ask for input, information, and so forth, we could be much more effective and much more efficient. In fact, that's how we get the inflow of resources that we need is by asking. If we don't ask, people don't know. Most definitely. And it, it is certainly, um, as you say, it's not a sign of weakness. And, you know, I love this story that you told because I had a father like this too, you know, and you tell this great story in your chapter entitled A Human Dilemma. And it's about your father in the days when we all used to use maps before GPS. And it was about this male thing of asking for directions. You know, it used to be, oh, wait, I'm not going to ask for directions. It's going to make me, again, look weak or inferior. And especially 
you know, I remember the day you don't ask for directions when you're with a new girlfriend, right? So why is asking for help seen as this original, as you refer to it, human dilemma? Well, I think there's a number of factors that come into play. And I have to say that uh, when you mentioned that story is that I do remember it so clearly, um, you know, being on a lot of these family trips in the old family station wagon and getting lost and my father pulling to the side of the road um, and my mother becoming frustrated because he would never just ask someone for help. Um, and I think that, you know, it's not just a male thing. Oh, I think that's the stereotype. Uh, for example, I've worked with uh, women executives uh, who have often found themselves in the situation of being very generous but not asking for what they need. And as a result, they suffer burnout. Uh, they feel depleted. And they realize that, you know, they've helped lots of people and they're kind of, you know, denying the power of reciprocity by not letting them know what they need. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, it's not just males. And we do see more and more females in roles of leadership and wanting to be strong. And I think the key is the correlation is that if you ask for help, that you're not strong. There's, there's, that's, as you've said, the research shows otherwise. Now, you have two great statements in the book uh, regarding self-reliance. Uh, one says, I would rather depend on myself than others. And two, I rely on myself most of the time. What's the significance or challenge associated in your estimation with self-reliance? Well, the two statements that you just read came from a national survey that I did um, where we found that 85% of Americans agree with those statements. They would prefer to rely on themselves rather than other people. Um, and I think self-reliance is very productive. It's an important principle. It's a really, it's a driver of productivity, but it's possible to take that too far. Um, you know, we can do much more if we reach out and get help and assistance from other people. I think about uh, creativity or brainstorming. You know, you could be very creative on your own, but sometimes it really helps to brainstorm in a group of people and to get a number of different ideas or to have one of your ideas uh, tested or get some feedback on that idea is that we can be much, much more effective if we don't over-rely on self-reliance. Yeah, and uh, I think that's the point you were making in that chapter. And along with that, you have identified eight reasons that we do not give ourselves permission to ask for things that we need. I think that those eight reasons that you've come up with or that you've found through your research are really important for this listening audience. What are those eight reasons that you've identified that really prevent us from going out and giving ourselves permission to ask for what we need? Well, the first one is the assumption that no one can help or no one is willing to help. And the research shows clearly the opposite, that most people are very willing to help if you ask. So that's one. So you need to overcome that, that particular belief that people aren't willing or able to help. A second one is the subject we just talked about, uh, self-reliance, um, is that it's important to realize that you can be more effective and more efficient by reaching out and asking for help and resources and input from other people. So it's related to our performance. Uh, the third one is that you know people are concerned that they might look foolish or incompetent. But again, as long as you make a thoughtful request, the research shows that people will think you are more competent, um, not less. 
Another factor is psychological safety. You know, how safe is it at work to speak up or, or to ask questions or to ask for what you need? Now, sometimes it's not very safe and you always have to take that into account. However, you have a network that extends outside of the workplace, even outside of the organization, so you can make your request to that network. It's not just restricted to your particular workplace. And inside a workplace, even if it feels unsafe, you could make smaller requests as long as they're thoughtful requests and eventually develop you know, better skills and habits for doing that. Um, another factor would be that there's something about the organization that gets in the way. For example, mm -hmm. many large organizations are uh, divided into silos and every silo is its own little community, its own little world. Um, and that, you know, that could be a barrier. Um, another one would be the, you know, that people don't know what they need sometimes. They're not clear on their goals. Uh, they don't know what they need or they're not sure how to ask in an effective way. And so the other two would be the idea that people are reluctant to ask uh, because they haven't given. Mm -hmm. So I always view as asking as, as a privilege that comes with being generous and helping other people. But that doesn't mean that when you have a need, you shouldn't just express that. You know, there's mm -hmm. no giving without receiving and there's no receiving until somebody makes a request. And then the, the eighth, the final one is that people sometimes are concerned that they will look selfish. So the best thing to think about is this, that you want to be a generous giver, freely helping other people, not keeping track of who helped you. It's not about a tit-for-tat exchange and to make your needs known, to make requests. Now, I call that particular type the giver requester. So be generous, help people and make your needs known. And when you're there, people won't think that you're selfish. Rather, they'll be delighted to have the opportunity to repay your generosity. I think it's a, it's a great way to look at it and a great way to put it in perspective, Wayne. And that is, is that it's not about the fact that you've given to somebody first or that, you know, you said the tit for the tat. Um, so agree with you on that. I think, as you said, even strangers are, are not reluctant to actually help you. Um, I don't know of any of my listeners out there, and I'm going to mention this, if, I've watched the series on Netflix called The Kindness Diaries, um, where the guy drives in a Volkswagen all the way from Alaska down to Argentina. And he tells them all that he has no money and that all he wants to do is get something to eat, fill his gas tank, and and move on with his life. And then he actually gives back. And it's a fascinating series. Are you familiar with that? I have not seen that. Okay. So you might want to look at that, uh, Wayne. It's really, a, it's a fascinating um, study of human behavior. And all along the way, actually the people with the least amount of money were the ones who gave the most to him. So hmm. um, now in your chapter on the law of giving and receiving, you speak about the wisdom of our world's religions, that it's better to give than receive. And you point out this, uh, I wouldn't call it the inherent challenge with the philosophy, but there can be a challenge. Can you speak with us about the giving and receiving cycle um, mm -hmm. that you talk about in the book? Yes, we've all been taught that it's better to give than receive, and we all want to live in a culture of givers. But I think it's best to give and receive. And here's the reason why. And we see this in the workplace all the time is that one, is that most people are willing to help. Most people are generous. 
Up to 90% of the help that is given in the workplace is in response to a request. But most people don't ask for what they need. Therefore, it just doesn't happen. Nothing happens. So the idea here is that you really need both sides, that you need to be a giver and also a receiver. And to be a receiver, you need to ask. You need to communicate what your needs are and to be clear about what you're asking for. And I think that you know, the, you know, most of the world's wisdom and religion uh, will teach about the idea of um, that it is more important or it's better to give than receive. And yet, without receiving, there's no giving. And it's kind of a quandary in a way. But I've found that the most successful people do both. They're very generous and they make their needs known. They ask for what they need. Yeah, and uh, it's, I, I think, something that, you know, again, this is a topic that, you know, you would think is so apparent that people would understand it. Yet on the other hand, when you look into the psychology of this topic, it's really pretty deep. And, you know, you obviously are a teacher of marketing and you have a section in the book about networking and the art of asking. Uh, you have lots of wisdom on this topic, considering how long you've been teaching. Um, what would you tell people about networking and the art of asking uh, if you were to provide our listeners with some advice? Well, it's interesting. Sometimes the the phrase networking uh, makes me feel a little uncertain. And it's because that networking often has a has a bad name, you know, that it's about people just trying to get something from other people. And my whole approach is in the larger philosophy of the law of giving and receiving. It's about being both. So it's not about asking and just taking, but rather it's being a full participant in the world. And that means both giving and receiving. So I think that if someone were to go to a networking event or there's an icebreaker or there's something when people are mingling, um, what I always recommend is to focus on the other person, which is to get to know something about them, listen to what they're working on, and if you can help them in some way, to do so. So I think that's the best approach to a, to a networking opportunity. And in that process, as a byproduct, people will also want to know what you need and how they might be able to help you. So I have a number of different tools in the book that can apply that make this in a more in a more structured process. But it comes down to that idea that you want to be both a giver and a receiver. Now, your assessment at the website, what is that assessment for? Would this be a good opportunity to talk with our listeners about this free assessment uh, to ascertain what that assessment is about and how it can help them? Well, the assessment is a scientific way of determining where you are on two different dimensions. One is the dimension of helping or giving, how frequently you do that. And the assessment will ask you about seven different ways in which you can help. And then it also gives you insight as to where you are on another dimension, which is the asking or requesting. Like how often do you ask for what you need? And there's seven questions for that as well. And what I found, so we, my one of my PhD students, Hillary Hendricks, and I uh, have developed this and validated it. Um, and what we have found in our surveys is that most people fall in the category that we call the overly generous giver. That is a person who frequently helps other people, but rarely asks for what they need. That's that's the most common type. Mm -hmm. uh, there's there's three other types. 
Uh, one is the, the lone wolf, the person who doesn't give help and doesn't ask for help. There's the selfish taker. Fortunately, there's not many of those, but we do find that sometimes. Those are people who, you know, who ask all the time, who are demanding, who uh, use networking in the wrong way, and they're not very generous. They don't give back. Uh, over time, people stop helping them, so their productivity falls as a result. And the fourth type, the best place to be, is the giver requester, the person who freely asks, and they're generous in the help that they give to other people. So what we found with the assessment is that it's just 14 quick questions, um, but if you take the assessment on the website, it also will give you a report where it compares your results to a population of about 500 working adults. So you can see where you are with respect to gender or level of the hierarchy, size of the organization and so forth. And we found that this is really a great way for people to get some insight about where they are in those two dimensions and then based on that, to think about what they need to do. If they're in that very common category of the overly generous giver, well, you want to keep giving, but you know what? You need to think about asking. You need to think about requesting. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you're denying everyone the, you know, what they want to do is that they want to give back. They want to help you. Well, I think the book does a great job of actually elevating our awareness that the permission to ask is not going to be a challenge, that it actually can be easy for us. And we just need to get into that habit. We need to form a new habit of that. Um, and again, not abuse it, but just utilize it because that completes the cycle. And in your chapter on tools for teams, you discuss this high performance teams that are psychologically safe places to ask for and give help. Yet, we frequently find in these teams that that's not what's happening. How do we create a culture that embraces this safe environment for people to give and ask? Because as you see in many, many workplaces, um, this isn't what is occurring and more of it needs to start to occur to have people have those successes. Well, it's a good point. Psychological safety and the tools and practices that I talk about in the book are related in a circle. So if you're in a workplace where it's psychologically safe to speak up, to ask questions, to ask for what you need, then the tools I write about in the book will be more effective. However, you can also start the other way. If you could just start with the tools, even in a psychologically unsafe workplace, it will eventually start to build a culture of safety of psychological safety in the workplace so if you're fortunate and you're in a workplace that is psychologically safe the tools will be more effective but you could start the other place you could just start with the tools and once people start using those tools the workplace will become more psychologically safe so it's a circle and you could jump in at either place great point and i think for our listeners who are out there that are in workplaces where you're not asking um, obviously, this book is an opportunity for you not only to ask, but to learn how to ask uh, and to create that. Now, Wayne, in 2016, you gave a TEDx talk uh, at the Power Center for the Performing Arts in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And the theme of the, top, the talk was the topic of this book. Um, asking drives the giving-receiving cycle. After the talk, you allowed the participants to do a round robin of giving and asking. What actually happened after this um, 
talk of yours. And have you been able to track any of the giving and receiving that occurred as a result of your TEDx talk? Well, if you can imagine the power center seats about 14, about 1,400 people. And so it's a big venue and we have this TEDx program here at the University of Michigan. And I was fortunate enough to be asked to, to give one of the TED talks. And I thought, you know, I don't want to just talk about this. I want to provide something of of real value in the sense of I want people to do something. I want people to apply one of the tools in the book. So I used a tool that's called that's called the Troika, uh, and it's done in threes. That's why it has that particular name. And so we had people in the audience. They say, okay, we want you to uh, divide into groups of three, and you have 20 minutes, and you'll go one by one one person will make a request and we had criteria for what that request would be uh, a certain criteria that it needed to follow to make sure it's a thoughtful request and then the other two people would listen very closely to think about how they could help now either they had the resource they had the answer and they could share it or we encourage them tap your outside network if you don't have the answer you know many many people and perhaps you can make a referral or a connection and that will help solve the problem so one person would do that and the other two would listen, think about how they would help. Then it would go to the second person who would then be the requester and then finally to the third person. And what the amazing thing is that it took only about 20 minutes. Um, the place was a buzz, lots of energy. And at the end, when everyone sat back down, we asked, okay, if you received help in this exercise that took only about 20 minutes, would you please stand up? And at least three quarters of the crowd stood up. And there was a big round of applause, and people were just amazed at how effective that simple tool was. And I have many tools like that. Um, but it, you know what I found is that that's the real helpful part. People need to have the, here's a bunch of tools, almost like a, a toolbox or a menu. So you go through these and think about which one of these would you like to start with? Maybe it's the Troika, or it's a stand-up, or it's a tool that we developed called the reciprocity ring. There are a lot of different tools that one can use. They all get at that core problem. It gives, if you participate in it, you have permission to ask. That's one of the ground rules. But you're going to spend most of your time helping other people, being generous. So you get to do both when you apply one of these tools, like we did at the TEDx talk. Well, Wayne, it's an example of really um, how, you know, you know, after that talk, opening up people um, to be aware that this is available to them um, to remove the fear. Um, because when you work in groups like that, uh, it, we used to call them trios at, at the school that I went to. I got a master's degree in spiritual psychology. And in those trios, you do open up and you have an opportunity to share. And in your case, like you said, ask for assistance, ask for help, and uh, it shall be given unto you, you know? So it's, it doesn't always appear immediately the way you want it to appear. But the reality is, is that if you are patient, uh, it usually comes. Now, you state that sadly, over 20% of full-time employees in the U.S. Um, never receive recognition for their contribution at work. Um, that's pretty staggering. Why don't you believe that people are not being recognized at work? And how would you suggest creating this culture of recognition so that people are getting the accolades that they so deserve for the hard work they're putting in? 
Yeah, it is a sad fact that many people don't get recognition at work. And there's lots of reasons why. Sometimes you know, sort of old school managers or leaders think that if they were to praise someone or to express their appreciation that the people would then slack off. I've heard that a number of times. But the reverse is true, is that people respond to authentic, genuine recognition and appreciation. So I think sometimes it doesn't happen because um, people don't really see the value of it. They haven't been educated on the importance of doing it. Uh, there's clear research that shows that in a culture of recognition, ROI goes up. You know, People respond to that in a very, very positive way. So there's a number of different practices one can use. There's even some online platforms that allow you to give kudos or give thanks uh, to, to one another in a, in a very structured way. Um, but it's interesting, most of the systems or programs about recognition really focus on recognizing people who are generous, recognizing people when they help. Now that's absolutely critical and that's absolutely important but as I write about in that chapter, well, what about the other side? You know, the person who's willing to be vulnerable, to stand up and make a request for what they need, they should be recognized as well. So, for example, a leader of a team or an organization, when they hear someone making a request, could acknowledge that and say, you know, that was a very important request that you made. Um, we're all going to learn from the answer. Um, and I want other people to do the same sort of thing, to reach out and make a request when you need something. So recognition should work both ways. Recognize people who are generous and helpful and recognize people who are asking, who are requesting, because both are necessary uh, to make that whole giving-receiving cycle work. Well, Wayne, what I know about this book so far after having do the review is that you have great stories in here. Almost every chapter starts with a story. You give dozens of tools, like you had mentioned, that are being used by companies like Google and GM, IDEO, uh, individual teams, organizations, and so on. And for my listeners who are out there, um, this is a great opportunity uh, for you to help your employees or yourself uh, get what you deserve. Uh, and the key is, is that your successes will come by asking and by giving. And I think that's what Wayne is trying to convey here and does an excellent job of it, provides us with the tools um, and the ability to sharpen our skills. Wayne, if there's one last thing you'd want to leave with the listeners before we uh, end this podcast, what would you want to say to them today? Well, I would ask everyone to think about what they need and what they can ask for. Let me give you two suggestions. So one of the methods I have in the book is called the quick start method. And I'll read just two of the five points there. And so to think about this, these are sentence starters. Um, so think about this. I am currently working on, and I could use help to. So you'd want to fill those two blanks on. I'm currently working on, state that, and then I could use help to. So here's the second one. One of my urgent tasks is to, and I need to, and if you fill in those two blanks, you get closer to the request that you need to make. So I'd encourage everyone to think about those, those sentence starters and how they would complete them to figure out what is the request that they need to make. And when they make it, make sure that it's, you know, that it's specific, explain why it's meaningful and important, tell people when you need that particular uh, request fulfilled. And 
I virtually guarantee that you'll be surprised at the generosity that that comes from your request. Well, again, it's an opportunity for people to use the tools that are inside this book, and I'm going to encourage them uh, to go to the website. All you have to do is ask.com or waynebaker.com. And this book actually is in pre-order right now. It will be released on the 14th of January. Um, The book is called All You Have to Do is Ask How to Master the Most Important Skills for Success uh, with Dr. Wayne Baker, who is the author of this book and the author of many books as well. You can check him out on Amazon, um, an opportunity for you to get this book and to do the assessment at his website, which I'd highly encourage. Wayne, thanks for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing some of your wisdom about asking and receiving and imparting your wisdom with our listeners out there today that are listening. Thanks so much. Well, thank you, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to speak with you. This podcast is brought to you by Anise Kavanaugh, the author of a new book entitled Contagious You. Unlock your power to influence, lead, and create the impact you want. Please listen to podcast number 753, where Anise and Greg speak about how great leaders enable and encourage positive and contagious energy, as well as why nourishing our internal state and our mental health needs to come first if we are to be effective leaders. Please join Greg and Anise in this wonderful interview in podcast number 753. Thanks for listening.